good to be together as his church, isn't it? Today's a special day because we are in the house of the Lord. We're together, aren't we? And that's special. It's really a special thing to be together. The Lord has called it, and uh, the enemy has really tried to disrupt that this year. Amongst many things, tried to disrupt the church and tried to get the church into chaos. And uh, the Lord has sustained us, and, and there are some that are facing some infringements on their freedom, and I believe that those things will be worked out in the coming time, but I'm just thankful that we have the freedom we have, right? We're so blessed. We don't even realize. We really don't realize. We almost need to take a world tour as Christians <laughs> and maybe a history lesson and just see the freedoms that we have and what it costs to get our freedoms. We really have something amazing here, very special here, and it's not to be taken lightly. And, uh, and I know I said it multiple times here during prayer, but I have to say it again, that we must be thankful. I really feel like the rest of today and the rest of this week, we need to just be thanking God for His grace and His mercy. The hardest thing is, because of our human mind and our perceptions, our eyes see and our ears hear, and there's so much natural going on, it's very hard to separate flesh and spirit. And, and there, there's these two parts of us, right? And that flesh is irritating to us. It's annoying that we have to carry it around for a little while. Thank God that eventually the flesh goes into the grave. That's the part that dies. You don't die. But the flesh dies, and we don't have to carry those things any longer. Thank God. But in the meantime, everybody say in the meantime. We do have natural eyes, natural ears. We have natural emotions. And if we're not careful, they will rob us of... The truth. And the truth is that God has been so gracious this year. God has been so merciful in 2020. So incredibly merciful. They say that this is the uh, greatest uh, pandemic, right, since 1918, 1919. But if you look at the numbers, the amount of people that were lost, we have just, God, I mean, I just see... So many things work together, and we really need to just, we really do need to thank the doctors and the healthcare workers and the first responders and, and so on. And so if you see someone this week, just thank them. The Lord really, I think, just brought, I'm just, I know that there's loss, and, and maybe you know someone or, you know, someone in your family or someone close to you. There has been some loss, but proportionally, and that's hard to do, right? A general or a president has to look at proportion has to look at his whole nation and think, you know, about the whole nation and everyone. Proportionally, we have been so blessed and we've been protected. It could have been much, 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 much worse. So we're just so thankful to the Lord for his grace and his mercy. And, and I think the Lord uh, brought a lot of wisdom. And I know that's all, you know, the devil just wants to create a whole bunch of chaos around that. But there was a lot of wisdom. There's a lot of things done, I think, that the, that the Lord inspired. And we'll find out in history you know, some other parts about it. We can talk about that for the rest of eternity. But I believe that the Lord really protected us from what the enemy wanted it to be because he wanted to turn it into some real chaos and to a real war. And we need to keep praying. I want to say that because what today is, is today is we've just celebrated Christmas, so I want to say Merry Christmas to you. 
And I, but I was here last week with you, so with uh, many of you, whoever I wasn't, Merry Christmas. But also, we're looking at the new year. The next week when I see you, it's 2021. So I want to just love you. I want to say Merry Christmas. But I also want to say some things prophetically going into this new year, like I like to do on this day, on this last Sunday of the year. So I want us to be have peace. I want us to be encouraged. I want us to be thankful. But I also want us to be serious and vigilant looking into this next time. And the reality is that the enemy wants to destroy this nation, and he has sought this year, really, he has sought to, to use the time. I don't know that he creates war, that he creates viruses. I, you know, I mean, we'll find out how it all works on the other side. But he will use, we do know, we know from history, we know from our word that he uses, he uses you well, you know, while you're down, right, hits below the belt. When things are tough, that's the moment where he's going to try to, to basically further his kingdom against God's kingdom. So whatever theories and ideas, it really doesn't matter. What I know this, this year, that the enemy has sought to use this time to bring such a chaos and such a confusion and such a fighting to create a civil war. And I think many of us just know it, like in the deep inside of us, we know that, that that's what's been brewing. And we've been praying, the Lord has inspired his church to pray this year, and there's so many fronts. I mean, I'm not going to get into it because today, today is not the Sunday for that, but there's been so many fronts, and I just want to say that the Lord has been faithful, and I believe that the church is so important this year that the church rose up and prayed and fasted, and then, you know, it might be a few weeks of, like, some peace, and then we prayed again. I mean, we continued, but there was, like, waves of, like, serious prayer, and there was this continual prayer, though, through it all, wasn't there, this whole year. The Lord just inspired His church to do it, and I believe it was because there was some major, major things at work, and there are still some things at work, but I want you to know this today from the Lord, that He is faithful, that He has a plan, He has a purpose, and he uses it all. I want you to say that out loud. God uses it all. And I've been sharing these things with you already in this time to encourage you. But I want to go right to the word. And I want to see in the word. I want you to say this out loud. 2,000 years ago, there was a conspiracy <laughs> to destroy Jesus. 2,000 years ago, you know there were conspiracies back then. 2,000 years ago, there was a conspiracy. I, I love my pastor. He says, he says this, and I love it. He says, the devil had a plan, but God had the pre-plan. I want you to say that out loud. The devil had a plan, but God had a pre-plan. You know what prophecy is? Prophecy, see, people think, you know, when, when God says something in your life, sometimes people misinterpret truths and promises they felt like that God spoke to them because they don't happen in the way, shape, or form that they thought they should or they don't happen at all. And there is a side of prophecy that is contingent on his people doing what he's asked them to do. For instance, if I said to my sons, uh, I'm going to pay 
for your college one day, all right? That's like a prophecy from the Lord. It's a promise from the Lord, okay? That's a promise from me to my sons. Now, they're 18, and they uh, decide that they don't want to go to college. Does it negate my promise or my prophecy? No, it means that the human part came in and basically changed uh, not what God had prophesied, but changed their plan. And it's hard to put into words, but I think we all understand this. There's another side of prophecy, which is Genesis to Revelation. And that side of prophecy is where God looks outside of time, and he already knows in advance that they're going to make that poor decision to not take me up on my prophetic offer to go to school, and I'll pay for it. So what he does is he creates a roadblock. You know, the Bible calls Jesus the stumbling block, right? He creates, uh, he creates a, uh, 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 an interjection in history knowing the poor decision. He knew that his people would reject the law, that he would reject Moses, that they would re ultimately, that they just couldn't do it in their human flesh. And, 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 and so some, our minds get fried. Your mind starts spinning like, you know, and, and the, the world will ask the questions like, well, why would God, and that's the first, first wrong right there, because you're trying to understand God with your human mind. Why would God? But they say things like, well, why would God create a human condition and allow it knowing that we were going to fail? And I think that's the wrong question. I think the question is that that's not what God's intention was, but because of his all-knowing, because he's outside of time. And I know it sounds like the same thing, but it's not, because it's from God's perspective versus human perspective. Does that make sense? Humans look at it like, well, you can't help it. It was always meant to be. But you have to realize God is outside of time. So already we've got a, we've got a skewed vision. And before we ever sinned, the Bible says in John, right, chapter 1, that Jesus was with the Father when everything was made. Jesus was already in motion. The whole prophecy of Jesus, you can actually go, you, I mean, Paul points it out, uh, that when we talk about the seed of Abraham, which is Isaac, right? But Paul later says, hey, that seed was Jesus. Yes, it was Isaac, but it was, it was greater than you even understood throughout the thousands of years until now, but now a full understanding. The revelation has come that it was Jesus. And so what I want you to hear this year, and I want you to hear this, and this is still valid today, that the world keeps spinning and turning, and it appears like it's in control. It appears, if you look with your natural eye, like the world and its powers and its rulers and its kingdoms have nothing to do with God. It appears with your natural eyes and your natural ears and your natural mind like God, if he does exist, which one is it? And if it is one, does he even care about this earth? That's if you use your human mind, your natural intellect. And it was exactly the same throughout history. And I want you to go with your, in your word here. I'm going to read a whole chunk of scripture. It's 23 verses, so I'm just going to breeze through it. Don't let me interrupt. If I try to interrupt, stop me. 
Because I just want to read it, and then I want to preach some things from it. Because I believe that the Lord's got a word for us today. And what's found in the book of Matthew, chapter 2, and it's a portion here of the Christmas story. And so the book of Matthew, chapter 2, starting with verse 1. I want to read these 23 verses here. And it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And I, I believe that most of us, if not every single person in here, really knows this story well. But I want to just read it so it's fresh. Is that okay? Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. Everybody say King Herod. All right, he's important. Remember him. About that time, some wise men or some magi, right? Uh, you can, there's some different words for them, but remember them. They came from eastern lands and arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. And then Herod called for a private meeting. Everybody say private meeting. He called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me, because I'm just an innocent ruler, right? Just an innocent man, and I just have good intentions. I just love, I love babies. I just love babies so much. And I would just like to come and give him a blanket. So come and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. And after this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. And they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Some people say, why didn't they give him a blanket? And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return. Stay there until I tell you to return because I'm God, by the way, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled, everybody say fulfilled. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him, Oh, I'm getting excited already. I'm getting ready to preach. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men, what it really says here is that God, everybody say God, outwitted Herod. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under based on the wise men's report 
of the star's first appearance. And Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in another dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But, everybody say but. So the Lord calls him, gives him another dream, sends him. Partway through the journey, he learns that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus or some sort. He was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in another dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said. He will be called a Nazarene. Well, there's a good portion of your Christmas story. And I thought it was amazing just reading this, how there are so many truths and so many things that are timely to this exact hour. God and his ways are not our ways. Say that out loud. God's ways are not our ways. We read it. We talk about Jesus in the manger. And it's a sweet story. There's no room for him in the inn. So they put him in straw, in some sort of a feeding trough, right? As we know. There he is. And he's wrapped up, and he's this little baby, innocent. But really, the whole story surrounding this sweet, innocent baby, as hard as it is, but we don't want to talk like this because it's that normalcy bias that's within us. And I started talking about this year in March. Normalcy bias is this human condition to try to make everything all right and try to just gloss over the details we don't want to talk about and deal with. There's a part of faith that must believe God, even though we don't understand God, but there's a part of stupidity that can look like faith, which is that we just don't talk about anything that's going on because we have faith. We don't want to deal with the harsh reality. But really, this is a bloody story and a hard story to understand. This is what it says. Now, you just, I just read the word. I'm going to put it within 30 seconds into layman's terms. God knew that Herod was filled with conspiracy. In fact, I did some little bit of history lesson on Herod because I actually, I wanted to understand, because there was a lot of Herods, and there was this whole Herodian dynasty there's all these Herods you're dealing with through the entire life of Jesus, right? There's another Herod later that gets eaten by worms, and he's another descendant. And I was curious about this Herodian dynasty. So in my history lesson, this is what I learned about Herod. It said that he was a strange mix of clever and efficient ruler, and he was a cruel tyrant. It says that he was distrustful, jealous, brutal, ruthless, and he crushed any potential opposition 
The Jews never accepted him as their legitimate king, and that this infuriated him. He constantly feared conspiracy. He executed his wife when he su suspected her of plotting against him. Then he killed three of his sons in the same way, and then his next wife he also killed, and his mother-in-law, because he had suspected them all in conspiracy of coming against him. Brings a little bit of light to the story now when he hears about this king of the Jews. Who is this king of the Jews? So, he, God knows that he's going to kill all the babies two years and, and younger. And this is the part that is so hard. Maybe it's just me. Sometimes I say it's so hard, but maybe I'm not talking to any other human beings. Maybe I'm not like anybody else. My human mind says, God, why don't you just kill Herod? My human mind says, why don't you just not let him kill the babies? That's my human mind. When I read my word, though, there's a common theme throughout the entire word, which is this. Let me just state it this way. Firstly, God is God, and his ways are not our ways. The second thing is this. When you read your word and you look throughout history, we are in the condition that we are in because of sin. I know we don't like to talk about this. You know, God forbid we talk about sin in church. You know, you're supposed to be aware of sin so that we recognize the grace and the mercy and the beauty of Jesus Christ and we fell in love with him even more. We're supposed to not feel good about our sin so that we give it to him. All right, amen. But we're in the condition that we're in. Now, God is still ruling in the heavens. But because God, again, is outside of time, it's almost like Dawn got this little wheel for the kids and it's a, it's a spin wheel. She did something fun with them on Christmas morning. But it was a spin wheel, and they had their names. There's three of them, so, you know, their names, one, two, three, and then their names repeated, and the spin wheel was going to beat whoever would open this particular present first and whatever. It was fun. But basically, once the wheel was started, it was left to its fate. And when we sinned, there was a particular wheel of time that started ticking away. And thank God it's coming to a conclusion. Thank the Lord that the Bible says that one day it all gets rolled up like a scroll. And he makes a new heaven and a new earth. Amen. But let's not be unaware. And, and, and because what would happen is, is when a hard time comes, like this year, this is so, this actually is heartbreaking to me. This actually makes me mourn because I feel the mourning of the Lord. A year like this comes, we are so afraid to talk about the hard things of the word and, and, and how God, who, like his full nature of God. We talk about the love and the grace and the mercy and the blood of Jesus, but we forget that that blood came through a crucifixion. And, and brutal bloodshed of all the disciples after that. We just don't want to talk about those things. But what happens is by not talking about them and trying to shield the church from the things that we don't, we want to get that normalcy bias and white picket fence. What happens is, is a virus comes in and the church leaves the building across America. 
They can't take it. I don't understand. And yes, there's many, many that have continued. I'm, I'm not saying that they're like you guys are here, but I'm, I'm just talking about proportionally across the nation, churches have reported massive losses because they, as soon as you rocked their world and as soon as a truck drove through their white picket fence, their world was shattered. They didn't know how to just go get some new two by fours and some fresh paint and just put it back together because that's all they knew. They don't understand. How could God allow this to happen? How can God allow? And what we need to understand that there is this obsession. I know this is going to sound so strange. Are we okay? We need to be much, much more aware of what God is doing and much, much more uh, I don't want to say realist. What's the what's the word here? Just realist. We cannot be in a facade. We must understand wars have come and gone, sicknesses have come come and gone. We have lost millions upon millions upon millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of people throughout history to protect nations and to protect the freedoms that we have, including this nation here. Just barely, it's, uh, some of them are, are still alive. We're, we're, we're seeing the end of that generation because it's been so long now. I mean, we're, we're cusping that point where we won't have many of them left. But this World War II generation that fought for our freedoms... We need to realize that God, there's this obsession, and this is what I was about to say, that it's very, it's weird, but there's this obsession with life on this earth that we can't help because it's all we know. And we need to realize that your life is greater than this blip of time on this earth. Now, as Christians, we should know this more than anyone. James, is, he, he, he tells us, don't even, you're just a vapor. You know, the Bible says, and I've talked about this before, and I mean, I don't even understand it in my human mind. I just know in my spirit. But the Bible says it's sin to even plan what you're going to do next year. That's such a weird concept for us, isn't it? And it's because our lives are not our own. And because God's timeline is greater than this time on earth. But there is a purpose that he is doing. And there is things that God allows that we must come to terms with because if we don't, every single time something happens that shakes that false reality, we will not trust God. And not in our lack of understanding, we will end up even doing what people do, and we've heard it many times, they curse God. Right? How many have walked away because of that hard moment and they end up, we've heard them say it, they curse God and they walk away never to come back. That's the first part. Now here's the good news. Everybody say, finally, some good news. God knew the evil intentions of Herod. Before Herod even had them. <laughs> Do you realize? 
I'm excited because I just see God's faithfulness and God's grace and God's mercy. And once you realize that this life is not it, once you realize that Herod didn't really kill those children, they just weren't on this earth anymore. I know our minds, it's like short-circuiting. What? Wait, what? They just weren't on the earth. But they were in eternity with the Lord instantly, and our minds just, and the hurt and the pain, and, and it just doesn't, where our minds are like, I know it doesn't make sense. Because we want to cleave. You know, there's this, uh, I'm a hunter, sorry if I'm offending anybody by, by that, but what I have learned in nature is there's this thing in, in nature, and I don't blame them for it, but they will cleave to the last, I mean, they are fight like the animal kingdom, they are fighters, and they, it's amazing, it's not right that hunters put bad shots on these animals, but these animals, they will fight to cleave to life. So it's not wrong in your nature to want to cleave to this, to this tent, but we need to be much looser with it and be much more in God's plan and God's kingdom than we are as Christians. It's just a hard reality to talk about. And to, I don't like talking about I don't even want to talk about it. But I must be faithful to the Lord and be obedient to the Lord, and I believe that we'll be much, actually much stronger, have much greater faith especially in the upcoming hours and, and where we're going to go in, in the world we're in today. Your faith will increase and grow when we realize that God's plan is greater than the enemy. The Bible says that God knew what was going to happen, so even though, and this is amazing, even though they conspired to try to figure out, even in 2020 and 2021, even in the evils that are going on, we don't really know. Nobody knows yet, but I believe it will be exposed even in this nation. The truth is going to come out. I don't, I'm not even going to try to tell you what that is. But the Lord's going to expose it. We've been praying and believing the Lord's going to expose and shine his light in this darkness, in this hour, in this nation, and bring truth. And we just pray, make that a prayer again in Jesus' name. But Herod tries to use magi is magic, right? That's where we get the word magic, magician. Now, God used it for a sign. God let them see the stars. God does that throughout the word, right? He uses, he uses Pharaoh. He uses Nebuchadnezzar. It's possible that the magi were actually from Daniel, right? Daniel was over the Magi over there in Babylon, so it's possible that that's who they are. We're not really sure. We don't really know how many of them there were. There was three gifts, but it doesn't say there was three men. So we're not quite sure, but what we know is this, that the word and what they come from is this word Magi was one that looked into the stars. It was astrology, alchemy, uh, astronomy, all of it was mixed together. They called it, it was all just magic then. Today we could look and, you know, it can be an astron, you can have astronomy without the astrology side, right? We just look at the stars as science and not with the, with the, the spiritual side to it. But it was all mixed together back then, and that was that magi, that's where we get that word magician. And so Satan has a certain element of power in the sense that there are players, even in the earth today, even in 2020 and 2021, that can look into 2021 with a certain element of knowledge. I know this is, this is, is everybody all right? 
They're not looking with the Holy Spirit, but they're looking, you know, there are people that can predict what stocks, you just don't know their names, and they've made people billions. But there are people that can run all kinds of algorithms and things, and <clears throat> there's some science. There was a guy I just read about this year. He turned some small little chunk of money into billions of dollars. I don't remember the amount, but he just became a billionaire this year. He did some, he did some math. He did some science. He did some numbers, and just basically, it wasn't any gut. It wasn't like he had a dream. It wasn't like someone gave him inspiration, but he used some... He, he ran some numbers, and this guy ran with this program and created him billions of dollars. There is information, and there is a level of power that the devil has, but God is fully aware of their plans. God is fully aware of their manipulations. God is fully aware, and the Bible says that even though these magicians came and God used it, right? He blesses Jesus. In fact, there's a whole nother level of truth to it. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? We, I don't know if you ever heard the sermons on it, but uh, for the next couple of years, they were in hiding. Who knows, besides the spiritual, that he's the king and, and, the, and, the, and the, the, the anointing for his burial spiritually. There's a whole bunch of spiritual implications, but also was natural too. It gave them the money that they needed for the next couple of years. They gave him uh, the, for the baby to keep him clean and healthy. And they gave him, uh, you know, these things for natural reasons as well. So God uses it. But the enemy is trying at all times to peer into God's plan and to get inside information into God's plan and manipulate it and for a moment, it appears that he has. Everybody say, for a moment. Because the Bible says that when he is outwitted, then he retaliates. And this is the part about, you know, the, the great persecution of the first century church was because the church was exploding. So the enemy retaliated. Everybody say, the enemy retaliated. Nobody wants to say it. But what the enemy didn't know, but we know, was that it just spurned the church to grow at an astronomical rate. It actually fueled the fire. Literally, the martyrs being the fuel for the fire caused it to burn brighter and brighter and brighter. And we have the church today because of it. So the enemy retaliates, I'll just wipe out all the two-year-olds and younger, and God allows it, which you're going to have to just come to the place as a Christian where you accept God's sovereignty, the part where he allows wars, he allows pandemics. It doesn't mean that that was his inspiration or that was his idea. God's idea was Eden. Everybody, I think you need to say it to your spirit man. God's idea was Eden. Man's idea was to rebel. We are living in a rebelled world, in a fallen state. And thank God that he has not given up on us. 
And then even though the ticking wheel is still spinning, because God let, let it go in Genesis, God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. And at that point, God doesn't meddle. I know it's weird. God interjects, and God knew, so he has prophesied moments in that timeline for our gain and for ultimately for his glory and for our release from this human body and this fallen condition but he has let the wheel spin so the bible says that as the enemy retaliated god beforehand gave dreams he gave a dream to the magi and then he gave a dream to joseph and so the lord supernaturally and this, we just looked at this with Egypt some weeks ago, right? The Egyptian magicians, they could match God's power. It appeared to a certain level. It appears like the enemy wins when Jesus goes into the grave. For a season, it appears like, where is God? God, why would you allow this? Why would you let this happen? Where are you? And then right at the moment, and I heard this, this is amazing. They say that God loves a good drama. God comes in as the hero, right? The greatest hero, every story, right, is that moment of drama, and the hero comes to the scene, and that's the Lord. And right at that moment, the Bible had already had, God had already warned, God had already given the dreams, God had already prepared, God had said, okay, now you're going to go away, I know it's two years a couple of years or whatever it is, we don't, we're not quite sure, but we assume it was around two years Again, we're not quite sure that he was going to have to be away from Herod, but most likely maybe four years. So I'm going to give you provision. And then as he's coming back, as he's coming back to Israel from Egypt, you must think the Lord's schizophrenic sometimes when you're reading his word because he leads him back, and then all of a sudden, oh, here's another dream, right, which could make us think, man, God, do you know what you're doing? But it actually was fulfilling a prophecy that he had said back that he was going to be a Nazarene. The Lord already knew. Come on, is anybody encouraged? Listen, this is my encouragement to you. Let's be realistic here. This world and this fallen state, if the devil has its way, is to steal, kill, and destroy. And that is the realm that you live in. A realm where everything is stolen from you, where death is inevitable, and where everything ultimately is destroyed. You give it long enough, and it's the greatest, most magnificent building, but you give it long enough, and it will be destroyed by a hurricane, by a tornado, or by rust, or corrosion of some sort, etc. There is nothing on this earth that will last. Let's be realistic. But God came when he... This, this whole picture... Every single thing and every single story, including the birth of Jesus Christ, is a reminder that even in the midst of this chaos and craziness and evil, and they're all plotting, and Rome is plotting. I mean, you go into the history, and there was a whole bunch. They're plotting on how they're going to rule the world. And Herod was really just a pawn in that player. He was just a player in that world domination of Rome in that era. But God, right under their noses, right in obscurity, just like he is doing right now. This is your prophecy for 2021. Just as the Lord in obscurity had a plan that Herod 
and Rome and even Satan himself who's trying to pull strings and work and figure stuff out and figure God out so that he could rule right in the midst of it. The Lord had a plan and a purpose and it didn't make sense. It still doesn't make sense to me now. I got the full story 2,000 years later and I still don't understand why God does what he does. But I know this, that in the end, each one of those Herods died. They, their power and their dominion came down. God had his way. Come on, Jesus not only came back to Israel, but he redeemed that nation, rescued them in the spirit. Come on, for all eternity. Amen. 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 So you need to know right now, I am not promising you a bed of roses or a yellow brick road, but I will promise you this. It doesn't matter. Come on. The Bible even encourages us with this. It says, do not fear those that can kill the body. Because the body is irrelevant. Come on. We're going to look ahead. We're looking with eyes to see and ears to hear. We are looking kingdom bound. We are looking heaven bound. We are looking at a greater vision, a vision that is beyond this earth. And yes, there are many blessings along the way that he gives us. I had a great week with my family, and I pray for more of those weeks and more of those moments. But I know that even this great time that I have, that this world is, there's no guarantee in this world, but I have a guarantee that me and my family, we will be with Christ forever, and this church will be with Christ forever, and there may be ups and downs, and I don't know who's going to rule, and I don't know who's going to try to destroy, and I don't know who's going to succeed them, but I know this, that the Lord is still the Lord through it all, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.